Welcome back to another episode of NFT Catcher Podcast. We'd like to remind everybody that nothing on the show is meant as financial advice, and to please do your own research. Thank you, and enjoy the show. Now the subject is NFT. They're known as non-fungible tokens, or NFTs. NFTs are floating in popularity. This is a technology that will forever change the way people interact. So it is happening whether you understand it and like it or not. This phenomenon is you have now joined Jenny from the blockchain and Michael Keane on the NFT Catcher Podcast. What's up, everyone? And welcome back to another episode of the NFT Catcher Podcast with me, Jenny from the blockchain, and my co-host, Michael Keane. Today, we have a special interview. I am super excited um, to be chatting here with none other than Rude Moose, also known as Candy who is honestly the biggest NFT collector that I've ever met and also that we've ever had on the podcast. I said this last week as well. Um, And I am super excited to chat it up with Rude Moose, who I've known for, I'd say like a year and a half now. Um, So yeah, welcome to the show. Thank you very much for inviting me here. It's super awesome to be hanging out with you both and chatting about the metaverse. Yes. So I kind of wanted to share how we originally met, which was through NBA Top Shot um, and through my sister's Twitch streams on uh, Ladies Night. The first ever Ladies Night she hosted uh, was you, me, NFT Noob, and uh, NFT Newbie, and uh, my sister, so Steph Sudo. And that was a blast. Um, That was like my first time, I guess, like meeting you virtually. And then through Discord on on Top Shot, you were like day one Top Shot, right? I was. You know, it's funny because I was actually in the Top Shot Discord almost a year before the product itself launched because they created wow. the Discord in August, but they didn't launch the closed beta until June. So like my invite to Top Shot was from almost a year before they actually, you know, had the product rolling out. And that was something that, you know, I was in that first day. So I've, I've still got most of my moments from, you know, those first packs too. Wow. And, and how did you, like, how did you find out about Top Shop through Crypto Kitties, right? Yeah. So that was kind of, my, you know, the early part of my journey into the NFT space was Crypto Kitties, you know, where I had been referred to the product uh, because, uh, my ex at the time, he he was like listening to these crypto podcasts and he was like, man, like there's this, people are selling these digital cartoon cats for thousands of dollars. And it sounds like the stupidest thing I've ever heard. And I was like, okay, but what's the name of this project? And he's like, I'm like, don't look at it. Like it's stupid. And I was like, okay, but I need to know <laughs> because like having a background in communication, like I've always been really interested in like psychology of selling things. And so I was like, I need to see what these are. And, you know, so he told me it was crypto kitties and I'm like looking at the website and like looking at the FAQ at the time, it's been updated since, but it was like, first question was like, yes, these are digital kitties that are DTF. I was like, <laughs> all right, like, I don't know what this MetaMask is. I don't know what Ethereum is, but I'm going to figure out how to give you my money because I need these cats. This is hilarious. Um, and, and that's how I got involved in the NFT space. That was January of 2018. So, you know, at this point, it's a little bit over four years that I've been in the space collecting NFTs. And like that, that was the onboarding process and, you know, turning into, I guess, a degen of sorts. But, you know, through Crypto Kitties, then Dapper had rolled out the Cheese Wizards product and then NBA Top Shot. So like they just kept creating these, projects that you know as they rolled out I was one of the people that was just like jumping on board to be the first one in because it's fun and you know new things are exciting yeah that that's that is wild and man just to think how far you've come to now you have over 15,000 nfts right I do there's there's a lot (laughs) that is so crazy I don't know how you keep track and you have um what is it? 8,000 crypto kitties? Yeah, there's alone? there's a little bit over 8,000 crypto kitties. I've also wow. like at, at one point it was over 9,000, which, you know, is obviously very memeable, but uh I've given away 
like at, at least a thousand at this point. Um, and that was kind of one of the things that I was always really excited about the NFT space and being able to get people onboarded and excited about it. And so, you know, I've, I've always done these events, you know, like Twitch streams where, you know, you come, you join, you play marbles. Like I just give out NFTs. And so I was like giving out hundreds of crypto kitties a night, you know, some nights. And that was how many, a, a how really many crypto time. kitties, how many are there total on a side note? Um, a little over two million, I think. We're oh, at now. wow! Okay. And because the thing about Crypto Kitties, right, is right. that they are breedable. So as long as you have two mm, cats, well, honestly, right. as long that's as you right. have one cat, you can go to the siring market and like people can pimp their kitties, so you can breed them with somebody else's cat. Like then mm. suddenly you have two cats, mm. and you know you just keep going, and they multiply. And this is how I have so many kitties. Like I, the vast wow. majority are ones that I bred myself. So it, you know, it's fun times in the early days for sure. That's pretty cool. Do you have a favorite? Favorite crypto kitty? I feel like that's like picking your children. Like I, I don't have a favorite mm. child. I have two, but there are some that stand out a little bit more. Um, there's, there's one that I actually like. I spent months trying to create a kitty with these four specific traits. That's kind of like the rude moose cat. So it's got antlers. It's got these elk antlers and these hacker eyes, and he's got a, like a little pixie bob body because it's like kind of short and round and you know feels like me. Um, and you know this this mouth that you know, I always make the same facial expression. It's kind of like a lips pursed to the side, you know, kind of like it's my thinking face, but also looks like you know bitchy resting face. So mm-hmm. it's it, like this. This is like my cat. Um, it's me as a cat, and it's great. But there's also you know some fancy cats that are cool. They're they're like sassy, and they all have fun bios, and I just love them all. Have you ever discovered a fancy? I have discovered many fancies actually oh, I let's think, go. yeah so you know and and the years you know because I've, I've been working at Dapper for the last year and a half so for a bit there I wasn't able to participate and crypto kitties has kind of slowed down um you know for a while but before that I was uh actually leading our fancy chases so every couple of weeks I would do twitch streams for crypto kitties and we would discover fancies as a community they would give us clues and we'd have to decipher what the clues meant for traits and then everybody would kind of race to be the first one to breed a new fancy so I over time had bred the very first of four different fancies wow Uh, and And that's uh, a very like huge thing by the way for people that don't know like it's a big deal because it's, it's like the number deal, yeah. one cereal of that fancy. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you, plus you just like have the like, you know, prestige of being the first one to discover something. And that's super cool. Uh, I actually had sold one of those, which is a big thing back in the day. I sold it to Carlini for 20 ETH, which at the time, hey. ETH, well, and at the time ETH was like, you know, $90 or something. So, oh my God. Yeah, because, you know, when I joined, like, and, and this is, like, the interesting thing about the space, right, is, like, when I joined in January, ETH was at, like, $1,200 or something, and then it went up, and then it went, like, way down, and then it went back up, and, you know, so, like, I've been through a couple of those cycles at this point, kind of yeah. watching the bear market, and I'm like, well, I'm sure it'll be back, because it always is. We had Carlini on, and he was saying, like, he was saying exactly that, where it was, like, it went all the way down to, like, $80, you know, at one point, the price of ETH. Yep. Um, and then it, you know, bounced back, obviously. Um, but yeah, so can you talk a bit about your um, journey working for Dapper? Because I know you're just super involved in the community. And then you ended up working, you know, for NBA Top Shot and then NFL All Day. Um, can you Absolutely. share a bit about that? Absolutely. So, you know, as I mentioned, I joined the Crypto Kitties community and like, you know, got my first kitties in January of 2018. And, you know, I was, I was kind of a lurker in the discord for a while. And I like only went by rude moose. I wasn't going by my actual name candy at the time. So for the longest time, people just assumed I was some like lumberjack dude with, you know, flannel (laughs) and a beard. And that was totally cool with me because like, you know, it's the early days in the space and it's, you know, a lot easier sometimes to be anonymous. So I was hanging out in the Discord, then you know, started to get more involved. And I noticed that, you know, at the time, like the space was very, you know, some people were here because they're excited and they want to collect and they, they're just excited about the cats. And that's great. You need that in a community. But then there's some people who, you know, were a little bit more competitive, which is also good. But competitive 
to the point where you're discouraging others is not so cool because that doesn't help a project grow. So then I was like, well, don't be mean, like just let people like things, you know, and that's always kind of been, (laughs) I guess my jam is like, let people like things. If it's not hurting you, like let them enjoy that because that will actually benefit your collection more, you know, holding your bags up because people are excited about the product as a whole. Um, so, you know, then I became very vocal in the Discord. I was like, God, just like be nice to people. So then they let me be a moderator of the Discord. And they just said like, you know, community volunteer moderator. So it was like, you know, and they're kind of like momming people. Um, and at one point, actually, Nate Alex had uh, ranked the mods on a scale of zero to moose in terms of meanness. So that was zero also a thing. Yes. That. Yeah, that was the thing. Um you know, that was like the early, early days of the space. But, you know, then I, one day, CryptoKitties team was like, oh, we're trying to put together like a live stream event. Does anybody know, you know, how to run Twitch and what you got going on? And I was like, well, I, I stream World of Warcraft sometimes. So I have a Twitch channel. And that's how I got involved in streaming CryptoKitties. And it became like an every other week sort of thing that I was just doing it, like leading the community in these chases and, you know, having a good time. And, then, you know, when occasionally some stuff, you know, like would need public updates from Dapper, like I would share those too. So that was really cool. And this was while I was, you know, finishing up my degree program for computer science. So I'd like got this job at General Motors and was doing software engineering, but then the pandemic hit. So about that time, you know, Top Shot had rolled out and it was like, getting really big and I was like spending most of my time like during the day hanging out in the discord and like moderating and like you know that's all the at the time the mods were all volunteers I was like trying to keep you know the hype and the chaos like a little bit under control because still like you know kind of mom moosing everything and uh so there came the opportunity to actually work at Dapper so I left uh General Motors and software engineering stuff um to work at Dapper Labs, you know, kind of doing community management. And that was really awesome because it was, you know, the thing that I was doing as my hobby, you know, managing the CryptoKitties community and the Top Shot. And when NFL All Day, you know, was going to be released, I, uh, I I got to move over there, and which was exciting for me because I really love football. So I actually, like, created that Discord and, you know, got it all set up. And, you know, as we started the launch and, you know, the closed beta, which is where it was currently, uh, still currently is, you know, those were things that I was able to help with. And that was really exciting. So, like, that was a great transition from, you know, being active in this space and, like, so involved in the community that I was able to, you know, kind of transcend just being a community member into working at the team for a bit. So, you know, I'm, I'm excited to see where Dapper takes these projects and, you know, continue on and as a part of the community. Yeah, that's actually a really, really good point you make there because we actually I have a couple people talking to me how to get into Web3 and um, things like that. And I've suggested, you know, be a mod somewhere. And Jennifer and I've talked about this. She's helped people even get those jobs. Be a mod somewhere. Even if it's free, it's experience. People will meet you. You'll have references and that gets your foot in the door and you never know where that'll go. So that's really good advice and a really good point to make there for some people. Yeah, that's absolutely huge. Really just like finding that niche, like finding ways to make yourself useful to a project or a group, right? And that was something I did with CryptoKitties. It's like when they were doing these project um, collaborations, like CryptoKitties, and I think at the time they were called Block League Golf, um, you know, and and so there was an activation where if you had a certain kind of kitty, you could redeem it for a golfer Mm. in the golf game. But the directions were a little bit unclear. And I was finding that as I was answering like the same types of questions in Discord as moderators, like how about I just create a Google Doc and like link this for people to follow the steps, you know? And so, you know, finding ways that you can contribute positively and like help answer those frequently asked questions Mm -hmm. and and help make everybody's lives easier, like that's really invaluable. And and those things get recognized. Yeah, that goes with any business. You find something that, that they're not doing that needs to be done and you do it. You know, you, you absolutely, I love that. Okay. So we're getting through your journey here, your web three journey. Um, and I guess I'm just curious how, cause do you sell your NFTs? Like how have you come to accumulate so many NFTs? Like, 
do you sell them a lot and then you know just like end up putting it into more nfts or like i mean i know for crypto kids it was like breeding was relatively cheap you know kind of it's just kind of time consuming and everything but you bought a lot of top shop packs like you have a ton of eth nfts as well i remember when you bought your board ape um that you still have and you have your doodle and you know you have kind of like one of everything basically um and then Which is- you were talking about uh your tezos nfts like you just have like so many different kinds yeah. So, you know, and it's funny because you say one of everything and like, that's probably not the best strategy, right? Because having only one of a thing means you can't just like sell them because then the you worst. don't have it's it. And, and I, four years in the space and I still really haven't learned my lesson because I still only buy one of a thing, <laughs> but I pick out my favorite one of the thing that is, you know, within my price range. I'm like, okay, like this is my thing and I'm going to keep it and that's going to be great. Um, but when I, when I first started playing CryptoKitties, like obviously you know, ETH for a while was pretty high. And I was like, man, I don't have the budget for this because I'm like, you know, going back to school. So, you know, I've got little kids. And so I had, you know, some early kitties and I was like breeding them and discovering some of these newer traits. And so I'd been selling a couple of them, but more than that, like at the time, like there was this siring market. So I would, I would actually be pimping my kitties out, which is a super funny thing to say. Like it was on my, my, you know, resume at some point, like pimping kitties. And, you know, so like you would get some revenue from that. And that was really cool. And then, you know, as I said, I like bred the very first ever fancy that was bred live on stream. And it was this like glitter fairy kitty. And that was the one that Carlini bought. So then I had that ETH. Um, And I had also bought a founder Avastar that I ended up selling. So there, like, there've been a couple things that I've sold, um, you know, over time and kind of for, for the most part, just like been cycling that ETH through. But, you know, like I had this founder, Avastar, and she was really awesome. She had like cat eyes and these little elf ears and she was cool. Um, And that was a great project. But I'm like, well, if I sell this one, then I'm going to have more ETH to buy more of these, you know, so I was like minting these Avastars. And it's always been a matter of, you know, if I sell a thing, like I'm, I'm going to inevitably reinvest it into the projects or the communities or, you know, so that's, that's always been kind of, where it's been coming from, but I haven't been selling necessarily to like, oh, let me like fund all of my life stuff with this because as as you've seen, like I have a bunch of NFTs. I just keep putting it back in and collecting more cool stuff and then, you know, giving away a lot of it too, just because, you know, it, that's one of the coolest ways to get people involved. So like, hey, are you interested? Let me give you a thing to get you started. So um i have made sales but the vast majority of stuff has been you know just purchases because i i love them and want to keep them you are definitely the ultimate nft og but also you're just a huge collector in general and i know you collect a lot of things in real life like physical things um can you tell us about some of the things that you collect that or digital. Absolutely. And so this, you know, I guess after discussing this, you'll see why digital collecting is better for me. <laughs> because like I still have, you know, say my X-Men cards from the early 90s when I was in elementary school, I used to collect X-Men mm-hmm. cards. And so like I have binders of these things and like I still look at them like they're on the shelf behind me because I get really excited about those. I love, I love superheroes. Um you know, so I have those. I also am like huge into going to concerts and seeing live music. So I keep all the ticket stubs that I have. And, you know, it's a bummer because they're going to digital now mostly. Um, so I do pay extra for the physical ones if that's an option. A lot of times it's not. Um, but I have those in frames and like, you know, signed T-shirts from bands hanging up around the house and a lot of things like that. Um, my partner is actually really into board games. So we've been collecting those and we've got about 300 at this point. Wow. Um, you know, so like there are a lot of things that, and rocks. Uh, I've bought some rocks recently, which, you know, it takes me back to when I was a little kid because I was like a huge rock collector. And then I sort of like phased out of it for a while. <laughs> and now that I'm all rocks. grown up, like, I'm like, what, like crystal rocks or like, like what uh, kind of rocks are we talking here? Uh, yeah. So I actually made a tweet about this the other day because I've, I've started my own uh, uh, Twitter spaces, regular thing about collecting um, with one of the other ladies from the whale community, Lady Warboss. And we were talking about things we collect and rocks are one of them so i have a the most recent thing i got was a dragon scale calcite 
which is a really Ooh. cool looking crystal. And, uh, you know, it, because who doesn't love dragons? So this thing is like, you know, a kind of grayish um, crystal that has, you know, like a dragon scale pattern on it. And I was like, what a cool thing. And I actually sold a couple NFTs to to purchase this thing. Because <laughs> I was like, I'll totally like, I'll, I'll trade off the like, you know, digital for the physical thing, mm-hmm. um, which is cool. But you know, there's there's so many things that like I just get excited about, which is why maybe NFTs are better for me because I'm running out of space. <laughs> yeah. First of all, that's a beautiful rock. I see the link yeah. to you. And 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 by the way, we'll obviously link Rude Moose's Twitch and her Twitter, but um Rude Moose on Twitter, R-U-D-E-M-0-0-S-E, uh, as well as her Twitch handle. And what is the story behind Rude Moose? Why did you decide to start going by um, Rude Moose? Yeah. So when I was in college the first time, um, I, I went to Elman College and I got this communication degree because I didn't know what I wanted to be when I grew up. And communication like answered a lot of questions about the world for me. So like how to people. And I was like, this is perfect. Like I'm gonna I'm gonna know how to people. It's gonna be great. And uh, so when I was in the dorms though, everybody had these dry erase boards on their college dorm doors. And so when you'd go around and you could leave notes for people. And I like, you know, would leave notes and I just got tired of writing my name. So I started doodling uh, these moose. And the more that I doodled the moose, the more it sort of came that the antlers, you know, had this more prominent middle hump than anything else. And I got really good at this. I could like I could do the whole moose with only one pen stroke. which is which is really cool because it's efficient, but also like the more that it evolved, I was like, man, this moose really looks like it's giving like you know two fingers like with the you know antlers, and so it just became a very rude moose, and uh, so I adopted that. Oh God, it was like 2008 or so, 2006 maybe that I started drawing this moose, and that's uh, just been me ever since. Which is always kind of a cheeky thing. So it's you know one of those things. It's nice because the avatar is subtle enough that it's not obscene, but it it definitely could be a rude moose. Yes, you guys definitely have to check out um, what she's talking about her avatar. I love it. Um, and yeah, I thought that was interesting. How and I do remember when you were anonymous and you didn't go by. You know now everyone knows. Oh, rude moose is candy. And well, I feel like a lot of people know that. You know who you are and you're a female and all that. But in the beginning, yeah, you were just completely anonymous and people didn't know, you know, if you were a guy, if you were a girl, like what the situation was. And I remember early on, you said that it was just kind of so much easier to, to navigate the world online um, by being anonymous and people kind of like assuming that you're a guy. Um, and especially back then, now there's, you know, there's so many females and in, in, into NFTs and everything, but, uh, you know, back in the day, um, it was a little different. And um, I remember Jen Kay, she's a, and I'm sure you know Jen Kay, she's like a huge Top Shot collector. Um, back when I had uh, a YouTube channel, Jennifer Top Shot, I was messaging her and I wanted to, you know, potentially bring her on. I was going to start doing interviews and I always said I wanted Rude Moose would be my first interview. But anyway, I had reached out to her and she was like, I, I don't like to do, I don't like people to know who I am. Like, I don't want people to know anything about me. Like I'm very, I've had some bad experiences. And that was my first time kind of realizing, oh shoot, like, you know, this is, it's, it can be kind of a dangerous place online for some people. And um, I don't know, you kind of don't always think about that. So yeah, that's that's definitely a thing. And I will say that maybe I had thought about it a little bit more just because before joining the Web3 space, like I played World of Warcraft for like a decade. So like I was always, you know, and and thing about World of Warcraft is like it's a lot easier to do with people, um, you know, especially if you're doing like competitive rating because you need 10 or 25 people. And in order to coordinate that, you need to be in voice chat, whether it's, you know, Discord nowadays or, you know, TeamSpeak or, you know, anything like that back in the day. But like I, I would join there too. And I was rude moose then, but people would be like, you know, immediately upon talking like, oh my God, girl, you know, and it wasn't always a positive reception. Like there were groups that I was kicked from solely because I was not a dude, um, you know, 
and the same thing with uh, I like to play CS:GO. Sort of, you know, the, my guilty pleasure. <laughs> you know, I've got all these pink guns and boop and people, and it's fun, but it's uh, a pretty toxic place. So that was something that I, you know, unfortunately had accepted, and that's why, you know, joining the Web three space, I was like, well, I'm just going to keep being rude moose because if I don't talk, you know, and don't reveal that you have a little bit more credibility, which, you know, is unfortunate, especially, you know, like you said, now it's it's getting better. But, you know, back when I started, it was something that had I simply revealed myself, you know, before establishing that legitimacy, it would have been a little bit harder because that would have been the focus was that I, you know, I'm a woman, not that I am a competent collector, you know, so it's uh, been, a, been a big learning curve for sure, but it's something that it's been really nice to see the space grow as it has over the last four years. Yeah, totally. And um, so, you know, you've been just amazing at building community and, you know, you've been Twitch streaming for forever. And I'm curious, um, what is something that you've learned, you know, from managing communities and maybe something that, you know, a piece of advice for uh, maybe future community managers or people now that are that are you know kind of working within that community aspect of of Web three. Yeah, what's something that they can kind of uh, some piece of advice? So I guess there are a couple for me big takeaways. Um, the first one being, if you are managing a community, people need to know to some degree who you are as a person. Um, you, you can still remain a non, right? But like, you know, small details about your life. Like, do you have a pet? Like what sort of things are you into? You need to be able to find commonality and like common ground because connecting with people on a more personal level will get them, you know, not only to like you, but kind of build that level of respect so that when you have to say enforce the discord rules or, you know, point out that maybe there are some, you know, conversations or whatever that are frowned upon in the community, people have more of a reason to want to listen to you. Like if you're absolutely unlikable, you know, and people are like, oh, like it's just a robomod, like they're going to be less inclined to consistently behave in ways that you would, you know, hope them to. And so that's, that's really maybe one of the most important things that I've seen in any community I've been in, you can see, you know, who are maybe the more successful community managers and the community moderators and, you know, kind of how they're interacting. And it's all about being personable and being able to make those connections, you know, but also being able to have clear communication and transparency. Um, You know, if you're sharing information you need to make sure that either, you know, you're qualifying it enough that it won't feel like it's a promise or you're sharing information that is most definitely, you know, accurate. Because a lot of times, if you're not setting realistic expectations for the community, then, you know, that's that's where you kind of get into a little bit of trouble. So making sure that you're you're having a solid communication plan such that people have realistic expectations. That's a really huge thing. And, you know, you did major in communication. So my sister, Steph, she also majored or, um, well, she ended up dropping out, but like she was studying communication oh. in college. <laughs> and um, yeah, I feel like, yeah, she's really good at communicating. Like I always really she look is. up to her for that. Um, and she inspires me so much with, uh, her Twitch streams and everything, like just the fact, you know, doing things live is is not easy. Um, I've always been a fan of being able to edit things, you know, edit content later. And, you know, maybe sometimes I stutter and stuff. It's like doing things live, like there's a lot of pressure with that. But yeah, I mean, I love popping into your live streams, Rude Moose, um, on occasion. I always feel like it's just so calming and like you you have a great, um, you have great energy and it's just like, I don't know, it's just really cool. And and I also wanted to talk about whale because I know that you're a big part of the whale community as well. And you'll play marbles and give away whale token, right? Sometimes. Yes. Okay. Tell yes. us about the whale community. So the metaverse marble stream that I've been doing, um, you know, most Saturdays, my schedule this summer has been a little bit more sporadic, but it was, you know, for the last 
gosh, almost two years, um, like every Saturday, you know, we do these streams and the prizes would be whale token um, because the whale project is super awesome. And like, it's, it's one of those things that, you know, when I joined it two years ago, like I didn't, nobody knew where it was going. Like whale shark, you know, he's uh, the biggest NFT collector that I know. I think he's at, you know, half a million NFTs at this point, uh, somewhere, somewhere close to that. Um, But he he has been such a huge presence in the NFT space and absolutely amazing. And so, you know, he, he started this community and there's, you know, whale is the, like the first, you know, really big social token, you know, so we have, um, you know, the whale token and the community that is really, you know, at, at this point, what we're, what we're trying to do is create a better conversation about NFTs. So, understanding the space and, you know, kind of the technology behind NFTs and why this is important, how this can really benefit artists and the art itself and and find ways to appreciate, you know, where we are in time because there's so much going on. And I, I think that, you know, obviously with the bear market currently, you know, people are a little bit more, cautious but you know when you have those bull markets like the, everybody are just releasing projects it's really hard to you know look at it and go okay well is there a reason to collect these other than the dollar signs <laughs> you know so that's that's really what we're looking at in the whale communities like trying to educate people more on the foundations of this space and kind of it's so that's that's something that when I've been doing marbles, like it's fun because we give away the whale token, we get people into the community, we give away NFTs, but it's talking about, you know, what's going on in the space and what projects are out there and what are people excited about and not, oh my gosh, you know, what's the floor and how much are things worth, which is refreshing. Yeah. What, what you're saying there actually brings me to kind of a question. Like I found really interesting when you said originally you heard about CryptoKitties and someone said that they were selling for a lot of money. So you kind of looked at it when you first started doing it. And then as your journey progressed, because you obviously became a, like a, a huge volume collector and got really into it and learned the ins and outs and became part of the community. Was it about money because you heard it was money? Was money maybe secondary and you thought maybe one day these will be worth a ton? Was it just for fun, like a video game? And then... Uh, transitioning as, you know, the beginning of 2021 started and things really did start becoming real valuable. And you started, it sounds like getting into these other collections that really did blow up. What was kind of your motivation? How'd that work out? What were you thinking, you know, as you started really collecting? Because obviously you're a collector and it doesn't sound like a lot of the things you collect are for money, your ticket stubs and things like that. You're collecting them because you love them. Uh, what did your NFT journey look like in that respect? Absolutely. So, you know, as you mentioned, like when I started CryptoKitties, it was funny because, you know, this podcast is talking about how much they sell for. And the only videos on YouTube at the time were like, here's how much these kitties are selling for. And I was like, that's cool. But like, what is this? You know, because coming mm-hmm. from, you know, a video game background in World of Warcraft or even CSGO, like I, I grind for all of these cool, you know, the gear and the loot and World of Warcraft. And it's cool as long as I pay my subscription fee. But if I don't, like my stuff's just kind of, you know, it's not mm-hmm. gone because it's still in my account, but I can't access it. And that's a bummer. Um, I can't sell it to people because that's against terms of service. In CSGO, like I can sell my skins on the Steam marketplace, but then all I can do is buy other Steam games. And like, I'm not really mm-hmm. interested in doing that. So mm-hmm. it's, it, you know, for NFTs, this suddenly like a little light bulb went off. I was like, man, like I, I can now have game assets that I can, if I wanted, sell to other people, yeah. um, you know. And so that was something that for CryptoKitties, like, you know, with with pretty much anything that I've ever done, like I'm a completionist. I want one of everything. I don't really need more than one of everything. But, you know, and that's why, like, I had sold a lot of my early Top Shop moments because I had duplicates. But, you know, I I was not in it for the dollars. I was in it to 
you know, kind of catch them all. Like I wasn't into Pokemon, but it's the same concept. Like I just want one of each of the things and I want to see how much there is to experience and kind of find exciting ways to interact with other people about it. So like in CryptoKitties, we would have fun community contests where like, one of them was like we it was called only a mother and and so the kitty is like you tried to breed literally the ugliest kitty that you could and everybody competed to breed the ugliest possible kitty that only a mother could love mm-hmm. and and like if you think about it like on on the top level like that's really bizarre that people are breeding intentionally hideous things but it was really fun and it was a way for us to engage with other people. And as the, you know, space progressed, it also sort of, you know, I had this huge community effect. So now I being a nerd could connect with other nerds about a thing that we have in common. And like, you know, it's not just me being weird. Cause like, if I explain this to, you know, say somebody at work when I wasn't, you know, working in the web three space, they'd look at me kind of like I'm a crazy person and like they're not excited about it. Most people weren't excited about World of Warcraft. So like it was hard to find ways to connect with people. So you gotta like find your tribe. And that was the power of the NFT space. And then as we had moved into the pandemic, everybody suddenly was like stuck at home, which is why we started to see this big boom because, you know, people are at their computers all day because they're really mm-hmm. like kind of stuck. And so, you know, we saw a lot of movement there because now people are discovering these things and it's a distraction from the real world. It's an escape. It's a way to connect with other humans about something you're excited about. And that to me is the magic of the space. So that like, that's absolutely why I'm in it. It's not, you know, as you mentioned, not for the money. Uh, obviously like that's cool and there were things that you know I was getting offers on that I'm like nah like I'm a pass and Mm. you know also probably why I only collect one of you know each thing instead of buying a bunch then trying to sell them because like I I just want to be a part of the thing I don't want to have all the things I don't want to like have to worry about the markets I just want to have one of the thing and be a part Mm -hmm. of it Mm -hmm. and you made another really really good point in that in that answer where the whole crux of the NFT space is you now own your assets, digital ownership. Yes. Right. Yes. So that, that was the, the light bulb went off in your head really early there. Um, I mean, you know, Gary V talks about it all the time. I bring him up a lot. I'm not sure if you're a fan of his or not, but that whole digital ownership and the things that you collect, like you have all of your autographed shirts and tickets and, and X-Men cards, but you can't really show those to too many people. Your NFTs, you can show to a lot of people. Yes. And that's super exciting, right? Because, yeah, it, yeah. And, and to be fair, Live Nation has started doing these digital commemorative tickets. Yep. So they're doing those on flow. And I have a couple. I think I have one from the Sum 41 show that I went to recently. Okay. And um, God, I don't remember who the other one was, but it's really cool. And I got one from the Raiders-Browns game that we went to back in December. So there was like one of those as well but like those those are cool because it's transitioning it's finding ways to capture that nostalgia of an experience and display that in a way that you know now people don't have to come to my house to see i can be like hey look here's the link to my wallet and the stuff that i've been to and you know with nfts like i i can share them with these people that have similar interests you know no matter where they are in the world and that's really cool super cool every single event is going to be like that before long every every ticket will be an nft uh, that's the that's the way it's all going for sure. Well, that's super cool too because then you've yeah. got you know the the ability to you know like these digital tickets. All I have are you know they go if I don't save them to my Apple Wallet they like disappear, and then yeah. and then yeah. I'm like oh there's like no proof like where's that nostalgia because for me I'm like I yeah. like looking back and seeing the timeline of like what shows did I go to this year and you know how how can I relive that experience in a sense so. And then wouldn't it be nice for the band to be able to reward you next year on their tour? If you went last year, they can reward you with early access or whatever it is for the next round of concerts. Yes. Or even like, you know, if you have the ticket and say, you know, you end up being able to do like backstage passes or something, can I now, you know, have the proof that I was able to do that? Can you append my ticket to be able to show, you know, Hey, went backstage, here's an autograph. Like, 
there's so much potential yep. for this yep. to be able to capture those things. So that way you'd have, you know, almost like that certification of validity, you know, in case say, you know, they sign the shirt. Cause right now I've got signed shirts on my wall, which is cool. But like, can you really prove I didn't just, you know, Sharpie it myself? Mm-hmm. Um, I know I didn't, but you know, that's, yeah, that's sure you didn't. Sure. Right. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, I love it. Go ahead, Jen. I was just curious, how do you explain NFTs and the blockchain to people that like don't know anything about it? Because I'm sure you've had your fair share of explanations. And I'm just curious, like when people are like, what is an NFT? What is blockchain? What do you say? Why would I want to buy that? Why do I need that? So I think that uh, like many things, understanding your target audience is important in answering this question because there are a couple different answers depending on who I'm talking to, right? And uh, in the case of, say, my parents, who, you know, for for the longest time, like, had no idea what it was that my hobbies were, because I was, like, explaining CryptoKitties and, you know, these streams, and they were like, I have no idea what you're doing, but have fun. And, uh, you know, to, to the point now where, you know, my mom had mentioned the other day, and she's like, well, what do you need a job for? You could just sell your NFTs and not work. So, you know, she, she seems to be catching on a little bit to that side of things. But you know, how I explained it was simply that these are, you know, similar to, you know, my X-Men cards that I was collecting as a kid, where instead of going to the store and having to put money in the vending machine and like get the pack out and open it, um, you know, now I can just go online and I can buy these things and there's a way to track, you know, their validity. So, you know, the X-Men cards, their serial numbers, some of those like had the cool signatures and, you know, you'd get like the special hollow ones. Those are cool. It's the same thing with NFTs. So instead of having this, you know, physical one that in the case of the ones that I had that were not in a binder, my mom accidentally (laughs) threw those out and like part of my collection is gone. And, you know, it was probably my fault for not packing them up when I, you know, moved out to college and stuff. But, you know, it is what it is. Like the NFTs aren't the same way. Like you can't accidentally like throw them out. Obviously, account security is important. So, you know, that's a whole nother conversation. But with, you know, careful care of your, you know, seed phrase and don't click sketchy things, your wallet should be fine and your NFT should be safe. So, you know, there's there's some importance there, but there's also the, you know, can you verify where it came from? Can you trace the ownership history? You know, will it always be in mint condition and not like my really cool X-Men card that I left on the floor and stepped on it and because it was a, uh, a carpet floor, it like got bent And like, you know, that was like the biggest tragedy to me as a seven-year-old is like, I got this cool shiny card and then I stepped on it and it's a bend right down the middle. It was like the worst thing. And I just felt like absolutely gutted. Like I I still feel that pain and God, that's like 30 years ago. But, you know, those are things that for NFTs, like it saves me from that. There's no way for my NFT, you know for most of them to change their state with crypto kitties. Like the more you breed them, they went, you know, go from mint condition to, you know, slower production. But yeah, there's, there's a lot of, you know, really nice ways that NFTs have changed the ownership, you know, for, for gamers, you know, kind of like I explained earlier, now you have the assets. So like, I don't have to pay a subscription fee to access my game assets. I don't have to, you know, worry about whether or not, I'll be able to use the funds from selling this to purchase the thing I really want to purchase. You know, there's, there's a lot more freedom to the ownership, which is exciting. Yeah. Have you, have you thought about, um, you know, cause I know you have a board ape and I mean, of, of course you have a ton of different NFTs, but have you thought about like leasing out your IP and things like that? Like, you know, I, I know you just kind of are mostly a holder, but yeah. Is there anything that's kind of interesting you right now with, um, you know, leasing out your, your IP and everything? Uh, to be honest, that was not something that I had considered up until this week. So I think that uh, now that I have a little bit more free time on my hands, I, I may need to look into that and see what options are available and, and really think about what direction I would like to take the ownership of my ape because you know she's super cool i actually had uh sarah stargirl and her board ape salon they they did a makeover of my ape and so now we have matching hair and i'm really excited about that um and a matching nose ring too and it's it's super cute 
Um, that's the fun of like having something that you can then, you know, customize, but also still retain. And so, you know, kind of giving that extra, you know, bit of moose sparkle to it is is fun, but it would be nice to see what else I could do with that. And, you know, that's, that's pretty cool having that ability. I also uh, always had this fun idea of cutting out crypto kitties and uh, like turning them into not necessarily coasters, but like, you know, little wooden kitty displays or something. And to, to be completely fair, I, I do have uh, a Glowforge, which is like a little laser at my house that can do this. So I, I might test those out too and see Ooh. what sort of, if, there are so many options now that I have time to just like turn NFTs into physical things and vice versa. So I like your ape. That's actually a really clean one uh, with the, you know, it's, it's cool with the hair and the Picasso shirt, but there's not a lot going on with the face and you have the, the eyes are real wide. I, I like that a lot. Yeah. I, I got to tell you, like when I bought the ape, I, I it was one of those things where when I was first seeing them, like I was a little bit late to game because I didn't buy it till June and they had launched, you know, couple months prior but Mm -hmm. uh you know some of my friends in this space like vinyls never die like he had an ape and he was like oh you should get in on this i was like eh, like i don't love them though because i kept seeing Mm -hmm. the ones with like the googly eye and i was like me i'm like i just like cute things and i'm Mm -hmm. like very Mm -hmm. particular about the aesthetic and so i was like i don't want like a weird zombie or like a googly eye or like something that just looks like ugh. You know, mine, mine's googly eye. Enough with the googly eyes. That's enough. Okay, that's I'm not. I'm not judging. Like some people, that's their jam. But for me, yeah. like I like cute things, and that didn't fit the cute criteria. I know, I know. So I spent so much time scrolling through OpenSea trying to find something that I was like, I need it to like fit, because I don't just want to buy it just to buy yep, it. You know, for sure, for sure. Um, and and that was something that you know when I found this one, I was like, okay, like this is perfect. And it was you know not a floor ape at the time, but you know it also wasn't like way up there um but it, it was something that i was like you know we have similar hair because my hair was red at the time and i was like you know she doesn't look angry she's not really like you know grimacing or anything like she's she's pretty cute no, that's so. a really good one that's a really good one there's a lot you can do with it if you wanted to do different things and i like it a lot I need to find the picture because i turned actually when we carved pumpkins for halloween this year i carved my ape into my pumpkin oh wow. turned, it turned out pretty good so starting nice. there Amazing. Turning her into pumpkin art. Yeah. Yeah, and you have a really cute doodle too. Purple hair. I also have a purple hair doodle. So you know, yes. represent. Yeah, yeah and it, let's see. And then my Twitter header. Yeah, I've also got the ballers there. So you notice, like, I've got yeah. the array of colors for the hair, but like, they're all like cute things. And right now, your hair is purple and red. Like, you have a really pretty, like, ombre, like, red to, or is it? Purple yeah, or red it's, or red, it's to red to purple. Red to purple. Um, and you, you're always, um, dyeing your hair, different colors, mostly like red and purple, um, colors. And I remember back in the day, like you just had really colorful hair and I was like, uh, we connected over that. Cause I had purple hair, um, for the longest time. And then I accidentally dyed it Brown and now it's Brown, but yeah. I remember that. That was super fun. Like, you know, and that's a cool thing, like being able to find, ways to express yourself that feel authentic you know and I think that was the biggest thing you know like searching for an ape in this case is like I wanted to feel authentic I didn't want to just buy something you know that at the point was like two ETH I was like I don't want to spend two ETH on something that I'm not in love with you know mm-hmm. and and I feel like that's probably the case for a lot of people that you know you, you need to find something that feels right not just yeah. if you connect it. with it you're more likely to to hold on to it because you feel more you know, connected. Yes. Um, and sorry if you can hear my, she started ladies night like five minutes ago. So now she's talking in the background. She's Twitch streaming right now. But um, I, so one of the things you had mentioned earlier was your mom had said, you know, like, why don't you just like retire off your NFTs? And it's true. You could literally just like live off of your NFT. Like you could sell them all and you would be set for life. And I'm curious what motivates you to continue, you know, to be in this space and, and hold on to, you know, your, your giant collection and, and continue to collect. So I think that, you know, as I mentioned earlier, like I only collect, you know, pretty much like one of each project. So in order to sell the things, I, I would then not be part of those communities and that would like feel bad. Um, you know, so, and, and, and to be fair, like I've not been like super active parts of each of these communities, you know, like with my ape, I haven't done anything with the IP yet, but having that potential is huge. And like, 
being able to be a part of that, being able to have a doodle. So like I didn't go to NFT NYC, but had I gone or would I go next year, I would be able to be involved. And that's a really cool opportunity that, you know, for me is worth having, you know, so not only that, but I, I really like to be involved. And so you know, if I were to just sell my NFTs, not only would I not be involved in those communities, but I would have a lot of free time and end up just getting myself into trouble. So it's much better if I'm, uh, you know, at least going to work, at, you know, part time. So that way I'm not, you know, just aimless because that's really a big thing. It's like I need that motivation of interacting with people in order to continue moving forward. Yeah. I, I feel that like, honestly, making connections in this space, yeah, has just kept me here. Like just all the friendships and yep. all the, you know, friends, acquaintances, just people in general that, you know, you talk to, it's like, there's just this, this connection of like, you're into something that most people in the world are not into. And it's like kind of a special thing. Um I'm, I'm curious. I know we kind of asked, oh, you know, you have a favorite crypto kitty. Um, but overall for your whole collection, like what are a couple NFTs that are like special to you that you really like? Uh, so crypto kitties obviously hold a very special place in my heart because they're like the thing that got me into this space and like kind of started this whole journey. And that's really awesome. Um, one of the, I think the biggest purchase I've ever made, um, which was like huge at the time. Uh, I mean, it's still huge for me. Uh, was one of the Hackatow and Jose Delbo uh, Wonder Woman NFTs. So I actually bought two of those on Maker's Place. And buying those, you know, because like those are cool because like Wonder Woman, A, like I love superheroes. So that was really cool. But B, being able to get those and have, you know, like this strong female, you know, art is huge in Hackatow or, amazing so that was really cool those are my first hackatow pieces um but buying those actually was the thing that also inspired me to <laughs> buy physical displays for my nfts because i was like man i think i think i spent like six ETH on these pieces um and you know that that was a big deal for me at the time and i i was like man like if i've spent this ETH, like i should be able to have these on my walls with the rest of my art because i have a lot of physical art so I ended up buying some murals, um, which are super cool. And so those are perfect because I was like, do I get a landscape um, because these hacked out pieces? But I also have NFTs that are portrait style. <laughs> so I ended up getting one of each. Uh, you know, well, I got, you know, two murals because you can change the orientation. And, you know, that way I don't have to like adjust the thing on my wall between playlists but it's cool because I can like put my nfts on this and like set these playlists and you know just watch my pieces you know go through and you know that's that's a really cool thing so it's a good way to you know use a single space in my wall but have a whole variety of art um so yeah those pieces the hackatap pieces were super cool um obviously you know my board ape has been fun just the opportunities that it's opened in the space but there are also a lot of like really cute things that I just love like the fly frog uh nfts i've got one that's like a little sprinkled donut with pancakes on his head and it's super cute um you know so for me a lot of the stuff is not just you know about the big name projects but it's like how can i find communities that i vibe with or artists that i you know would like to support and you know so there's a lot of emotional connection to pieces that are you know go beyond just you know minting because it was the hype project at the time What's your favorite marketplace? Oh my goodness. Honestly, I still am on OpenSea for the most part. Uh, Looks Rare is interesting, but I feel like there's a little bit less search customization than I would prefer still. So those are, you know, I don't know that I would necessarily say I have a favorite marketplace. I simply have a default. (laughs) Fair. OpenSea has been around since when is when did OpenSea come out i guess you would know i feel like they came out in like maybe early 2018 because i remember so this is a fun story actually um when OpenSea first started and it was maybe like december 2017 because it might have been like right before i started in the nft space but they we were still so early that they were like actively in the crypto kitties discord 
asking for feedback about, you know, their site and their search filters. And one of the things that they used to do on the site is when you would search for things, this was the only way that you could find a CryptoKitty based on the words in their randomly generated bios. And I was looking for kitties that had the word moose in their bio. So here I was on OpenSea, like searching, you know, in the CryptoKitties for moose, and it would return goose, mouse, um, etc. And I was like, okay, like OpenSea, why are you giving me these terms? These are not what I'm looking for. I only exclusively want moose. They're like, okay, well, it's like, you know, a Boolean search. So as long as it matches, you know, some of the letters we're returning, I was like, could you like make that more precise, please? And like, you can actually search through the CryptoKitties server Discord. Um, to to see this conversation that we had, like me tagging OpenSea going, please fix your search. And then going, okay, like, you know, we're made some improvements, Moose, like calm down. Mm-hmm. So like, that's that's like a fun thing to be able to be so early to be able to help like shape mm-hmm. products like that. Um, and now you can find all the Moose kitties that you want. I have a whole collection of them. Thank you for helping make that search possible. Yeah, <laughs> I'm, I mean, to be fair, I'm sure they would have got there on their own, but. I just remember being Eventually. very loudly complaining about it, going, I just want to find the moose, please. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. And and having so many crypto kitties, yeah, you need to be able to have a proper search function. So that is interesting that you mentioned that with with uh looks rare. Maybe they'll hear this podcast and they'll be like, oh shoot, we need to get our shit together now. Um, what about favorite blockchain? Favorite blockchain, I have you know, I, I guess favorite blockchain is an interesting question, right? Because I started on Ethereum. That was huge. Tezos has been really fun for finding like the new wave kind of art as it's been going on. And Flow obviously is huge for, you know, like a lot of the new utility, you know, Flow was created to try to solve some of the frustrations that Ethereum was experiencing with CryptoKitties. Um, so being able to see where that's going is going to be super exciting. Um, but I'm, I guess I'm really bad at picking favorites because I'm, I'm just excited about a lot of things, you know, for different reasons. Fair. Okay. Um, well, it's been almost an hour here, so we'll probably start wrapping this up soon. Um, but this has been a really fun interview. Yeah. Um, Michael, do you have any last minute questions for Candy? Well, when is the Rude Moose's NFT project going to drop? That's a really good question. That's um, a perfect. It's a perfect name for a collection. The <laughs> mooses. Yeah, we're just a bunch of mooses. Yeah, cool. yeah. Well, your 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 you know your personalized thing that you drew, and they could all have different whatevers, and that you know i i wouldn't discount that as a possibility also you know fun mm. fact I have a, a rude moose social yeah. token um similar mm. to you know it, it was uh developed on roll so the same place that the whale token was created oh cool um but it was one of those things that like i you know had been approached by roll like gosh a long time ago so like we've seen your twitch streams you know you're you know active in the space you want to create a token and i was like sure but I need to figure out what to do with it because I don't just want to yeah. launch something YOLO without a plan because that feels bad. I, like I, I need a plan. And then I got involved in Whale and like more involved in Dapper and I just ended up never launching it. So I'm still like collecting all these moose tokens trying to figure out what to do with them. And and so with a, you know, a rude moose project, I wouldn't discount that as a possibility for future things to roll out. But I definitely I like it. at this point don't have a timeline because trying for to make sure, sure I you know, get all the ducks in a row before I just YOLO launch anything. Yeah, no, that's, that's great. That's great. You know, it's really good that you're saying like that because you got to know, and people have realized like one of these projects is forever that people are going to be expecting things from you forever, you know? Um, And it's, it doesn't go away. So it's definitely important to have a a long-term plan. Yes. Yeah. That's, that's really important. Just making sure that there is a plan that you set ex- yeah. set expectations properly and absolutely you know. that's that's extremely important but even when you do that people still expect more and complain yeah i i think there's a big thing in the space right where unless you are absolutely explicit with what to expect people have this fabulous way of creating their own narrative based on yeah. what it is they're hoping for and like the kind of the power of the metaverse and NFTs is that there's so much potential that it's hard to harness in the wish lists. So for a lot of projects, like if you don't explicitly exclude options, the community will totally go nuts and like come up with some of the yeah. most 
fantastic ideas, but, you know, for the project creators, they're looking at going, man, like I wasn't going in that direction at all. So now do I abandon the direction I'm going in and pivot to what people are asking for? Or do I hold true to like what it was that I was trying to do in the first mm-hmm. place mm-hmm. and disappoint the community who's like run with this narrative? And that's, you know, I, I guess being in the space for so long, like I've seen that a lot to the point where I'm like really hesitant to like push anything out without having like all of those things figured out first. Yeah, we've talked to multiple creators struggling with that exact thing on this on this show. It is, yeah, it is. I know huge Sarah. Thing. <laughs> yeah, Sarah Stargirl, who you're talking about, she uh, with the board ape salon. She like redid your board ape. She, she had the juice saying, box friends. Yeah, which was like no roadmap, no Discord. You know, right. just memes. Like that was the thing, right? And she was trying to set no expectations and trying to be super upfront. Um, but she said, you know, she was starting to get a lot of people just like expecting things and mostly just wanting, you know, the, the, the price to pump up, right. Want mm-hmm. like the secondary market prices to go up. They don't care really what you do. Sometimes they just want mm-hmm. the value of their mm-hmm. NFTs to go up. Um, and so, yeah, she felt a lot of pressure from that and she was kind of like being vulnerable and like sharing that um, on the podcast. It was really interesting to hear from, you know, a, a project creator's perspective on, you know, just feeling the pressures of, of the community and, you know, people like wanting you to do things and expecting things. And um, yeah, there's, it, it is kind of a lot that comes with um, creating projects, especially if you generate a lot of hype for it. Yes. Yes. And I think that's why, like, if I were to ever release things aside from like the one meme photo that I made, um, I re- I did release a single, like, I think it's a good edition of 10, but a photography NFT called mm-hmm. Nudes on the Beach. And it's the noodle golf balls in the sand pit on a golf course. What? Where can we find this? <laughs> I need one. <laughs> I think I mentioned it on Rarible and then I giggled about oh it a whole God. bunch. So it's literally just a golf ball in a sand trap, but it was like, you know, I, I just like punny things. So yeah, that was the thing. But, you know, it, I think I love that. that's probably a safer way to go is like, you know, I, I don't I don't want a huge project that will, you know, be able to be taken out of context because yeah. that's a lot of pressure. Yep. Yeah, I, I know. I've thought about like minting, like, I don't know, just having something be free for like, you know, my biggest supporters and stuff to be able to claim, but then I'm like, ah, but then what if it like goes crazy on the secondary and then people like buy it and whatever. It's like, I want something that people can have that they don't think about wanting to sell and all that. Yes, you found it. I see you linked it. Oh my God. Oh, I can make an offer. (laughs) Oh my gosh. This is great. (laughs) Yeah. Like I said, I think they're on Rarible maybe, but they're, uh, you know, it's, it's just a funny thing. Yes, I love that. Um, so my last question for you, Brood Moose, which is inspired by my sister's Twitch stream, she asked everybody this too, is what's one piece of advice you would give to new people coming into the NFT space? I'll give them the same advice I give every time I'm asked this question. And that is, you know, no matter what you're getting into the space for, you need to be honest with yourself about that. Like if you're here because you're trying to make money, like you own that and only make your decisions based on that fact. So like do a lot of research, don't get sentimentally attached to things because that will skew your approach to the space, Uh, you know, but conversely, if you're just here for the community and you're here because you like to collect cool stuff, don't buy into the hype, like collect the things that you're excited about. Don't spend beyond your means, like no matter who you are, like, you know, set a budget, stick to it. If you're able to flip things and move up, like awesome, but be realistic about those expectations because at the end of the day, like if you only make purchases that you'll be okay keeping, if it never sells, like you're going to feel a lot better about the market, no matter which cycle you're in, you know, if it's up and it's a bull market and it's really exciting, cool. Like you could sell things or you could hold them and just be like, Hey, that's cool that I got this offer. But if it's a bear market and you're like really stressing about the position you're in, that's not good. Like that's something that you need to make sure that you're taking care of your mental health and making decisions that are not going to affect you outside of the web three space in a negative way. 
So that's great advice. I love that too. And I like that, you know, you, you realize people have different intentions and people need to recognize their own intentions. Um, And I thought that was great advice. It's very respectful of, you know, the different collecting styles. Well, well. And and that's the thing about the space, right? It's like you really like for any project to be successful, you need to understand that there will be a whole variety of collector types and, and create a project that, you know, is going to be able to accommodate participation regardless of the type of collector. That those are the ones that are going to do a lot better because you're going to be able to have people that are happy no matter, you know, kind of what's going on. And, and you need that and you need the people, you know, regardless of their approach to play nicely together, because just because my approach isn't the same as yours doesn't mean that either one is invalid. It's simply a different way to interact with the space. And we need all of those types in order for this space to be successful and kind of get more mass adoption. So, you know, that's that's my hope for the Web3 space as a whole. Get more of that. So true. That that is great advice. Um, and yeah, thank you so much, Rude Moose, for coming on the show. Uh, you're honestly one of my favorite people like in the Web3 space. And I'm just like, just was super excited to, to finally bring you on. And um, I really hope everybody listening to this enjoyed this episode. And, and yeah, um, also Rude Moose had mentioned Web3 security is important. We are doing our first educational episode Uh, We're recording it next week, so stay tuned for that. Uh, We're starting a bit of an educational series coming up soon. So yeah, (laughs) thank you all so much for tuning in, and we'll catch you in the next episode. Peace. Thank you for tuning in to the NFT Catcher Podcast. We hope you enjoyed today's episode and learned something new about the exciting world of NFTs. If you enjoyed today's episode, please take a moment to subscribe to our podcast on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And if you really love what you're hearing, please leave us a rating and review on your favorite platform. If you want to stay up to date with the latest news and insights from the NFT space, be sure to follow us on all the socials at NFT Catcher Pod. You can follow Jennifer at Jennifer underscore pseudo and Michael at NF Ticket. I'm your producer, Andy, and I'm at AJC254. Our theme songs by It's Just Los. We always appreciate your feedback and support, which helps us reach more people and bring you informative and engaging content about NFTs. We look forward to bringing you more great NFT content in future episodes. Thanks for listening. Peace.